0: Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we are joined by Carmen Vitali to discuss the 2019 Buccaneers season.
1: You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Forfeit the game
0: before somebody else takes you out of the frame. Put your name to shame,
1: cover up your face. You can't run the race, the pace is too fast, you just won't
0: last. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Joining us now for the first of our 2019 season in review series this week is... I don't have a clever intro for her. She's just one of our favorite humans. Ladies and gentlemen, Carmen Vitale of Buccaneers.com. Carmen, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing well. How are you? I'm a little melancholy, but I'm okay.
0: Yeah, I, I think we're all kind of a little a little melancholy. Um, yeah, not a great way to end the season, but yeah, this season had a lot of really high points. It had some... Pretty low points, and overall it was just it was just an interesting year um lots to grow on, lots to fix in the off season and let's face it, the past ten years, the buccaneers fans live for the off season because that's when all the hope is installed
2: <laughs> yeah i uh, I, like, I mean obviously the season didn't end you know the way we wanted it to, but um even if we had won that last game like there's just like this generic Like let down when the season is over, and then it's like the looming realization that oh my god we don't have football for like another eight months, and I'm like, and you're just like you're not ready for it. You're like I had to go through training camp all over again. There's all of this. You're just like it just seems very daunting, and it just makes you kind of melancholy. Like no, I just wanted to like especially all the progress we were making. I just kind of wanted to keep going in this upward trajectory that we seem to be on in a lot of ways. So not quite.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it goes back to the whole, I mean, every, every single season, there's only one fan base. There's only one team. There's only one team staff that's happy at the end of the year. And that's whoever gets to win the Super Bowl. So, uh, but, but I'm with you, Carmen. I was sitting here uh, earlier today, writing out kind of a game plan for the, for the off season, for the podcast and, and everything else. And I'm sitting here going over the scouting combine and draft prep. And I'm like, didn't we, didn't we just do this? Um, so yeah, the the season is way too short. But I'm sure that the guys actually taking the punishment would probably not agree with with that sentiment. Um,
2: Correct. And yeah, everyone <laughs> needs the break. And I'm totally cool with like, you know, like a couple of months. But like, can we just like get back after a of
1: Yeah. You <laughs> know, uh, these guys go through a lot. Yeah. Um, getting a little bit off topic, which I know we shouldn't do because we don't have a lot of time tonight, but. Um, Brent Allen of the Petercast actually tweeted out not too long ago that he had this grand, it was, you know, it wasn't fully developed or whatever anyway, but it was kind of his grand scheme where basically the NFL takes like a winter break and they come back and then the season goes into like, you know, February, March because of that break and all this other stuff. So I don't know, maybe, maybe our grandchildren will be able to see that kind of an NFL, but Carmen, the reason we have you here, like James said, is to kick off kind of our year in review. We're going to be looking back at 2019, all the ups and downs. And it started with a really big up because Bruce Arians arrived to Tampa, Florida. Uh, he and his you know awesome staff of coaches that he handpicked and, and wanted to have and you know all of his confidence in the quarterback and you know the, the secondary was going to be fixed. Now that you've mm-hmm. gone through essentially a calendar year with with Coach Arians at the helm and with all these guys in the building, um, how how does the end result match the excitement that you and all of us had when they arrived?
2: Um, a lot of things absolutely like surpassed my expectation, but I didn't know it until now. <laughs> um, like it's like, especially like with the, the secondary is fixed comment, I remember that coming in and I'm like, well, that's a little preemptive. Um, but I mean, when you think about it, it, it kind of was in a lot of ways, it just wasn't developed. It was fixed. It just wasn't developed. Yet. <laughs> um, because I think you saw that the unit that they put together, obviously down the stretch, had like put you know had an awesome latter half of the year um Bucks finished with you know the most passes defense which granted I actually was talking about this today I was wondering how many passes we've actually batted down at the line and so therefore like how many like big men have been in on batted down passes because like P got one this last game and it was like I think it was on fourth down and like Bucks brought like an all out blitz or I think they were third down, but they brought an all out blitz and that's what ended up happening is JPP like knocked down Matt Ryan's pass. And I feel like that happens a lot with how aggressive this defense is. So I would really like to know that kind of went off on a tangent, but um, I do think that the secondary is um, I think that like, there's some room for improvement, obviously in the safety position because of the way this defense is run and you really need like that dude in this in that safety position to kind of coordinate everything from the back end. Um, and I think that there's some guys that can maybe develop into that, but they didn't quite get there this year. But that having said that, I mean, you've seen how like leaps and bounds, the car the leaps and bounds that Carlson Davis has made um, matching up with, I mean, Julio Jones didn't do anything uh, on Sunday. And before that, Deandre Hopkins didn't do anything. And guess who was on, you know, both of those guys. So, um I think you saw the growth and that was super encouraging and that surpassed my expectations like by a, a mile. Yeah, let let's stay with
0: the uh the back half of that defense because this is a a team that started worst in the NFL against the pass. They end up making mm-hmm. a personnel change, ship Vernon Hargrave's out the door. He signs with the Texans. He's doing relatively where there in in his role in that defense, but You have Jamel Dean come on stronger than maybe any rookie I've seen in the past (laughs) five, six, seven years, given his limited role in the grand scheme of the season. How encouraged is this team, is the coaching staff, in what they have in such a young core in the secondary with the way that they finished out the year?
2: Well, I think that what you're seeing also is, I mean, younger guys are teachable, they're coachable, they're hungry, they, they know that, you know, they want to get better. So sometimes it's not to say it's easier to deal with those kind of guys. um, But you can mold them a little bit more. And I think like, you're seeing these guys, you know, they're finally grasping the system. And that's, that was the learning curve, you know, and so it's not having to break down somebody's like tendencies and all this other stuff coming from a different system to build them back up into yours. You're starting with, you know, this fresh slate of really coachable, teachable guys. Um, What's most encouraging to me though, is the gut, like their attitude, more than what they've been able to do on the field in this like latter half of the year. They are so like, they're focused, they're hungry. They want to prove themselves. They have a tremendous amount of confidence in themselves. I think that's what you've seen more than anything um, in Sean Murphy-Bunting. Like, he is – I still think – like, I know Jamel, he came on super strong. And to finish with, you know, the second most passive defense behind Carlton Davis when he only started playing in, you know, that Seahawks game um, is incredible. But I think that Sean Murphy-Bunting has really gone still a little bit under the radar because, you know, they were kind of figuring out where to use him between nickel and the outside. Um, and he was effective in both places, but like he's really grasped grasped onto this nickel position, and that's not something that he did in college. He never played nickel in college, so to have him switch to that and excel the way he has, and work together with everyone, um, and get that confidence at uh, at the pro level is just astounding to me, to be honest.
1: No, I agree that the uh, the increase in in all those guys has definitely been impressive, and you know, hat tip to Todd Bowles. Hopefully he doesn't leave this year for a coaching position somewhere. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I hear that there's an entire team's worth of coaches that are going to be available. So hopefully they flood the market and we can just have coach Bowles back next year. Um,
3: <laughs> so in the, speaking, year that, in
1: the year after that, in the year after that, and the year after that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think your,
2: that the, uh, the young guys don't want him to go anywhere either. I think yeah. they've told him that he's not allowed to retire until they're done.
1: <laughs> I'm all about it. Um, but staying on the theme of, of new additions, obviously, uh, free agents. And, and nobody wants to be accused of being a slow-pitch softball you know, pitcher when, when they're interviewing somebody. So please don't laugh when I ask you the final part of this question. But between guys, you got Prashad Perryman, who made impacts late in the season, and you got some other guys. But who is <laughs> – I'm, I'm intentionally avoiding the answer. Who is the <laughs> biggest free agent acquisition at the end of this year in your mind?
2: I mean, you have to say that it's Shaq, right?
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, Uh,
2: (laughs) because he led the league. I mean, like, you get the league leader in SACs. Right. Like, I mean, there's no no wrong answer, though, here, either. Because I'll tell you what, what Shaq has done is incredible. And he's done such a good job, you know, using the tools he has, growing within this system. But, like, this system gave him opportunities because of the other guys that were with him. So, like... Vita and Sue being on the interior, opening stuff up for him, JPP coming back and then giving, you know, offensive lines, just a ton of decisions to have to make. I mean, there were points in the season that I saw like tight ends lined up with Shaq and it's like, okay, like that's not going to work, but it was just out of necessity because of the other guys that were also on the line. So I think that this, and he even said it this week, he said that, you know, it's a combination of the scheme and the uh, like the opportunities and the way that he's, like upped his game and and really like studied it and all this other stuff. Like that's the culmination of all of that has been what he attributes his success to. Um, But it can't go overlooked that, you know, the opportunities have been created for him and he's done a very, very good job of taking advantage of them.
1: Awesome. That was an amazing answer for a very easy question. So James, I'm going to throw another one out there. That's maybe not as easy to answer. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, Brashad Perryman, uh, I know you know these guys have to have, you have to have thick skin to be in the n f l you have to be you have to have thick skin just to be in the spotlight as much as any celebrity is and and football players are as much celebrity uh, as anybody else Brashad Perryman, you know bus label coming out of Baltimore went to Cleveland did okay you know they kind of brought him back, but they also buried him in the depth chart by bringing in Odell Beckham, so then he ends up in Tampa Bay, obviously beginning of the season did not go well for him did not go well you know for for his his incorporation in the offense. And as much as these guys try to ignore it, you you know they they see it, and I know that Brashad saw it. Uh, that it's it's almost impossible not to see. Did it, did you ever see him get into a position where he was letting it get to him, or was this was this kind of just a head down, eye on the prize, nose to the grindstone kind of guy for the entire season until it just clicked there towards the end and and it all fell into place?
2: Yeah, no, he honestly like he's just kind of a quiet dude as it is, and he keeps to himself a lot. But, and he's a really really nice guy. Um, I didn't see him get down or anything like that. And the thing is um, I've actually found this really interesting. Uh, He said in the locker room after the game, and I didn't know this, that he had had a conversation with Jameis prior to signing with Tampa Bay. And that conversation swayed him essentially into signing here and like as a free agent. And so they had this established relationship and you saw that. The thing is you saw it during practice all the time. Like, I know it didn't show up on Sundays very often and that's like, I know the BA and even Byron kind of sounded like broken records saying this, but like as someone that has like, that saw practice every week, like there were no issues there. And like, I think when you have that success during the week, you know that it's possible and yeah, you're frustrated that it's not showing up on Sundays, but you're not, you're not disheartened and you're not like, you know, getting in, like I feel like your confidence doesn't waver as much as, you know, people would think it would having to take all of that because they know what they can do they know what they're capable of they do it in practice and so it was just a matter of showing up on Sundays and I think a lot of that too was just opportunity it was just flat out opportunity because when you have two of the league's top three receivers and in my mind they're one and two but when you have those two guys on your roster like you're gonna get like, like you, you use them, like you have to use them. And so, you know, it takes away targets from other people. Um, it takes away, you know, even like that was the big thing with the run game too. It was like Byron said it last week. He was like, sometimes the better option is just to throw Mike and Chris the ball rather than try and keep it on the ground for the sake of keeping it on the ground. And there's, there's you know, there's something to be for that. So, you know, when those guys went down though, and Brashad stepped up, like he already had, he still had that confidence the whole time. Because he had still been doing what he'd been doing, you know, the whole time. Just now he was getting more opportunities and games to make it happen. So I'm really happy for him because he's a great guy. And he's so fast. He's so fast. <laughs> a guy that I think should not be that fast.
0: Well, let, let's let keep talking about something that was frustrating about not showing up on Sundays. And that was O.J. Howard. You know, in... Carmen, you were on the show where I predicted that the Bucs would have three 1,000-yard receivers, and O.J. Howard was one of those, and I was not close,
1: yeah.
0: not even a little bit. Um, yeah. what, is, what is the kind of general feeling around O.J. Howard? Obviously, you don't want to get rid of somebody as talented as he is, but you need to utilize – you know, his his talents and it, it seemed like even when he got opportunity uh, the the lack of opportunity it kind of built up to the point that it, it seemed like at times he almost forgot what to do is this do you feel kind of like an outlier season for him and, and he's going to be poised for a big bounce back in 2020 or, or how do you kind of see them utilizing OJ moving forward
2: yeah I do think this will be an outlier season and because I do think that he worked a lot on blocking this year and he was also asked to block a lot more than he ever had been um, prior to this year and so i think that there was just kind of some sort of you know you, you introduce something new you're trying to do certain things and like some stuff suffers as a result and it's just kind of getting that balance and getting back into the groove of things and i don't think that that really ever happened and again you know when the opportunity was there and he didn't capitalize on it then you know you shy away from that and then again you know, you have two amazing receivers that were both thousand yard receivers, um, and pro bowl receivers. And, you know, had Chris kept going, not gotten hurt, he would have had a hundred catches and that's on top of Mike Evans, you know, 80 some catches. So there's just not a lot to go around. And I think that, you know, with the emphasis on trying to get some of the run game, you know, going OJ was a little lost in that, in that he was used for blocking for pass blocking purposes and for run blocking purposes. So, Um, I think that it was just a matter of kind of getting his sea legs being asked to do more than of that. And it'll end up balancing itself out. Um, yeah, well, we'll see. I, that, that's my philosophy. I really don't think that there's, I've, I've said it all season. Bruce knows how to use tight ends. BA knows how to use tight ends. He's had good ones in the past. And I don't think that that really factors into the narrative, um, I think it's just kind of an opportunity thing at this point, And I think it'll balance itself out. I'm hoping I love OJ. I,
0: I think BA needs to have that sit down with OJ, like he did with Larry Fitzgerald, when he moved fits from the outside of the inside, and say, look, I'm going to ask you to block a lot, but I'm going to reward you with, with those red zone opportunities. Please right. don't go anywhere. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't go anywhere. We still have under contract. <laughs> well, yeah,
1: of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I
2: mean,
1: but yeah. I think OJ showed. You know, even in Alabama, he's he's all about the team. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't think OJ has mm-hmm. a problem. with it. But but talking to what you or speaking on what you were talking about, Carmen. I mean, when I when when I was in town to cover uh, the game against Cardinals, I actually I mean I legitimately sat there and and uh, charted every single snap that OJ Howard took uh, to see just you know just kind of get that final answer of how is this offense using him? Is it? Is it a struggle that he's having, or a game plan that, and he blocked a lot, um, a lot, and you know, and that's that impacts the offense. And, and I think Coach, you know, Coach Lef, which kind of talked about that in one of his press conferences that OJ is having a massive impact on the offense. He's just not having a massive impact on your fantasy team. I'm adding the fantasy comment, right? But he's just having that right. impact on people's fantasy right. teams. And I think that's where a lot of people had, you know, some problems because really from a statistical standpoint, he almost plateaued this year versus regressing because he had uh, the exact same amount of receptions as he did last year. He had a few, you know, fewer yards. Greg Allman pointed out on Twitter today that I think the big drop off is in touchdowns, um, which obviously Mm -hmm. is going to make the season feel a lot less impressive. Um, And then those bad turnovers, you know what I mean, which are all effort plays. Uh, You know, there's just kind of things that happen sometimes. Uh, unfortunately they happened to the same guy and and you hate to see that but uh, i'm with you i think that oj is going to be fine moving forward hopefully we're all right because i definitely plan on drafting him in my fantasy draft next year um but speaking of the future and the opportunity to bounce back anything that you can tell us about justin evans and kendall beckwith
2: i know i mean i haven't heard really anything about kendall Um, in a long time. And then today we heard from BA that uh, he's hoping, he's hopeful that Justin Evans can come back next year. Um, And that's, I mean, that's really the most I've heard. These these guys have been doing, you know, their rehab and stuff elsewhere. So I haven't really seen Justin. I saw Justin in the building, like the first half of the season, kind of like very regularly. Um, But I think that he's, there was some mention of him having another surgery um mm-hmm. or something like that, you know, recently. So I think that probably makes sense why he hasn't been, you know, in a building as much. Um but yeah, I haven't seen Kendall around at all. Uh so I, I I don't know. I I I haven't heard anything from him or about him in a long time, which, you know, is one of those things where I was like, uh he was he had such promise and potential. Right. Um, you know, I was so excited about him. I think we all were. Um but yeah, that was really yeah, it was it was just a, but it was it was encouraging then to hear Coach bring up Justin and say you know that they're still hoping to get him back, and he brought up in the same breath it was talking about the safeties and how the Bucks could be looking for a safety, um, you know if they find the right fit, but how they really like Justin Evans and they really like Dakota Dixon, um, and I loved Dakota in training camp. Like yeah. he was you know yeah, one too. of my guys to my under the radar guys when I did the Bucks Anonymous series because I was just so excited about what he's been doing and I am so excited for him to finally get back out on the field next year because he Mm -hmm. spent this entire season. Like I'm not, I'm not exaggerating like over Bull's shoulder, like at practice, he is over bulls shoulder the whole time. And so it's like, I just, I can't even imagine like the mental grasp that he has on this system and this defense. And I just can't wait for him to like put it out on the field.
1: Yeah, and those Wisconsin guys. I mean, Jack Sitchi is just another example. Like those Wisconsin guys know how to work and they know how to humble themselves to oh, get yeah. better. So I'm excited too.
2: Yeah, let's get Jack back too because I love that kid.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: All right, well, uh, Carmen, we we know you're you're getting ready to uh, to travel, and, and we don't want to keep you too long. So the final question that I have for you. Is, is yeah. looking back at the roller coaster that was 2019. <laughs> what was your personally your favorite moment of the year?
2: Oh gosh, my favorite moment. Well, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna make me pick out one single moment, it's gonna have to be the VA catching a touchdown because I love big time <laughs> touchdowns so much. I love them so much. But then you know, I I love my my linebackers too, and seeing Devin <laughs> go down the field on Sunday—the 91-yard return—that was the longest fumble recovery return for a touchdown um, in franchise history. So that was really cool. Um, yeah, those 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 moments like stick out, but I really have seen a huge shift in our guys. Um, just from my you know like I'm not pretending that I'm like in the locker room all the time, but you know, just from the, the interaction I do have with them um, and just the way that they talk about the coaching staff and the way that there just seems to be this whole, like the buy-in is there and I see it. So it's just so obvious and it's that it's there. And these guys like trust these coaches so incredibly much and it's really cool to see that then trickle down where they're, they're holding each other accountable on behalf of their coaches. And that's the biggest thing that Bruce BA said that he was going to try and do in this, you know, building this culture was creating us a culture of accountability and he's done it. And, you know, there's so much more to build on. And it kills me yeah, that our season is ending now because I feel like we're in this upward trajectory of guys really coming together and, you know, that's been the most, the coolest thing. It's not a single moment, obviously, but it's probably been my favorite thing. Is just to see the buy-in and see the accountability and see this stuff come to fruition that we had all hoped for. Because I really think that, that it's setting a foundation that can be built upon, you know, for years, especially with how young this team is.
1: Yeah. Last question for me, Carmen. Um, speaking of traveling <laughs> arrangements, what is your draft <laughs> travel plans where are you going to be so people know where to oh, follow you to get that right
2: okay so yeah i i like had this like the season let down right but then i was like okay i started kind of thinking through everything i have coming up um and so i have things to look forward to pretty much every like every couple of weeks and so that starts the senior bowl actually it starts the east west Shrine game i'll be there first um and then after that i'll be at the senior bowl and then the week after that is the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, that's not draft-related, but, uh, you know, with, with Mike Evans having the, the Walter Payton Man of the Year nomination and all the Hall of Fame stuff and it being in Miami, we're going to go and, and cover some stuff. Um, and then after that, I should be at the Combine. What? That, yeah. So we're we're pushing for Indy. Indy. Um, You know, I'm like having to dive like right into all of this draft stuff now. So that's I'm taking my little break right now. But even when I'm home, I'm going to be like just sitting there at, you know, at my parents' house with my dogs, probably going over drafts like prospects and learning lists and, you know, crash coursing and taking a bunch of notes and looking at highlight plays or highlights of these guys because, yeah, I need to get on it pretty quickly.
1: Sounds, sounds, sounds
0: exciting. Well, now I got to figure out a way to to go to the combine because I was going to skip it. But if Carmen's going to go, I I need to go hang out with Carmen.
2: Yeah, come hang out with me. Um, yeah, we'll see. It's just it's one of those things where you know, for all of the draft content I do, I need to be in it. I feel like, but the Senior Bowl is always. I'm really looking forward to the Senior Bowl. I know everyone like rolls their eyes, it's like, oh, it's mobile. I'm like, I don't care. That it's mobile. Like, it's every NFL team. Yeah. Like. Every major decision maker is like in this tiny town in Alabama, this tiny city in Alabama for a week, and it's like it's great, you learn so much, and that it in itself is a crash course in getting to you know speak to all these prospects and go around and actually you know ask them what their opinions are about your team and what they think they do well, and like talk to them directly and you know get a feel for who they are as guys. Um, so I'm super pumped about it. So what, what, I don't care what anybody says. I love Mobile, Alabama.
1: Well, I mean, so I've never been to the senior bowl, but it's definitely on my bucket list. And, uh, I watch, I mean, I, so, I mean, I have to, I have to work obviously, but I DVR and watch every single second of coverage, um, from the senior bowl every year. And it's only gotten better, uh, since Jim took over. So, I mean, um, yeah. No, anybody who's, who's talking down about the senior bowl either has an experience or doesn't really understand what it's about because everybody who's been there loves it. Um, yeah, it's definitely on my bucket list. If I didn't have some other things potentially in the works for that time of year this year, I would be going or I'll be trying to go myself. Uh, the combine is probably not going to happen for me this year, but we'll see. I've got, I've got some, yeah. some things in the works that might prevent me from going. Yeah.
2: Do me a favor when you guys are this is kind of switching off topic of the draft, but do me a favor when you guys are recapping all this kind of stuff. We didn't touch on it a whole lot. I mean, we did, but like we talked about secondary, but like, I really, mm-hmm. really, really want to like hammer home how much this defense has gotten better and how crazy it is. Like what they were able to accomplish with the team that, you know, they had. And I mean, there wasn't a ton of turnover, from last year and, like, what these guys were able to accomplish was, I mean, it was just incredible. Like, top five in takeaways, you know, just any – what I can't even, like, go into – I feel like I can't even list out all of the crazy things that they ended up doing. But, you know, number one rushing defense, and it's, like, the best rushing defense the league has seen in, like, the last decade. And, you know, top five in takeaways, like I said, most passive defense, you know, just, like – we, I remember t- this time last year being like, oh, like talking about sacks and how we were just like so excited that JPP got to double digits, and now we have the league's leading sacks player, like they're the guy that has the you know the most sacks in the league, like that's just crazy to me. So I'm still like <laughs> reeling about this. I know that I I'm I I like to focus on the positives a lot more. But I really, really think that I just want to hammer home like how just like wowed I am by this whole defensive effort. Cause it's insane. So Do no, with I, that what you will, but <laughs> that's no, that's, it, that's probably my starting thoughts about the whole season was that this defense just really surpassed any expectations I think anybody could possibly set. And if you're gonna complain about anything, I just I just think twice about it because just think about what you were complaining about last year versus. Right what you're complaining about this year and it's like night and day so yeah i'm really encouraged by it and i can't wait
1: to see how much better they got no i I, that's i mean it's a valid point and and, you know we're gonna get into like position group breakdowns and all that stuff later but i think it's it's worth really kind of hammering home and emphasizing like you said carmen i mean you know every every buccaneers fan they know julio jones they know michael thomas and, and all that stuff because they're division rivals and they probably know who DeAndre Hopkins is by name and, and all that but how much how many times a year does a Buccaneers fan really sit down and watch DeAndre Hopkins play football and you know unless you're just kind of like addicted to football it's probably not that many times but this is a guy even though the Texans would you know Texans would say they underperformed this year themselves and didn't meet their ex- their own expectations at least so far uh, I mean six catches for 119 yards, seven catches for 120 yards in back-to-back weeks. Uh put up 111 yards and two touchdowns on the Saints who were you know, one of the favorites that coming out of the NFC and the Buccaneers defense, you know, uh, all those guys, not only did they hold him to five catches, like five catches is something that's been done before, but they held him to the fewest receiving yards. He's had this entire season. That's Andre Hopkins, who's probably the best wide receiver in the national football league, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, So I think it's a very valid point. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and what the front seven was able to do and just the run defense in general, like, you know coming from the last couple of years where we it was really hard for us to stop the run that's what that was an area where we struggled and this defense is the best rushing defense in like a decade so 78, 78 yards per game is the average 78.3 i believe it was so it's one of those things and then being able to adjust in sudden change situations where you're given a sh- very short field to defend. I mean, these guys where you take away, you know, the turnovers where they didn't have any um, say in it because they were taken in for – they were returned for touchdowns, but you take away those, and you've got less that – you're averaging less than three points. The other team is averaging less than three points, so less than a field goal off of those turnovers. Uh, because of what this defense is able to do. And that is just – that's probably the craziest thing to me is, you know, sudden change, given a short field, and you still hold them. So that was awesome. And there's nice – uh, we know I'm a defensive girl, so it's fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it'll it'll be interesting to see if they can keep the, the defense intact. I mean, we certainly hope that they can. But, um, yeah, you're you're 100% right. It, it was a fun turnaround to see – both on the on the front end and the back end, and I heard, I can't remember who said it, um, but it, it was interesting to think about. If Jason Pierre-Paul plays a full season, because the guy had, what, eight and a half sacks in 10 games?
2: hmm Yeah.
0: If he plays a f-
2: full yep. season, that be, I said that. I said does, that. <laughs> does
0: Shaq still break the single season sack record, or does Jason Pierre-Paul steal a couple of his?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, that might be true, too. But, like, I mean, the fact that Shaq was still producing and JPP, they, I mean, towards the down the stretch here, they were both producing. Yeah, oh, um, absolutely. So, JPP got eight and a half sacks while Shaq still added to his total and ended up with the most in the league. So, what I really think would have happened is that you just would have had two guys that broke it, that broke Warren Sapp's record. So And they would have, I, like, I would have loved to have seen it because knowing both yeah. of those guys, like, it would have been a contest. And they would have just like gone. I can't even think of the analogy that I want. Like, the analogy I want to say is not appropriate, but they would have just gone crazy trying to like outdo each other. And God only knows like what that would have even been like because of how competitive they both are. So, well, as long as one of them, as
0: long as one of them breaks Strahan's fake. Single season sack record next year, then then I'm good. Yeah, you know, they can push each other to the brink, and as long as one of them comes away with it and, and removes Strahan's fake record from the record books, then I'm I'm all in.
2: That would be nuts. But yeah, that's I brought it up during the game on Sunday that you know at that rate JPP would have also broken um, Warren Sapp's record, and we would have seen two guys duking it out for yeah, which is just crazy. So.
0: All right. Well, Carmen, we know you uh, you have to to get ready to go. You're, you're going to be taking a a nice little trip, so we wish you safe travels. Yeah. Enjoy enjoy your break there, and enjoy the break okay. from social media, which is not fun <laughs> right now. It's it's not fun. But of course, if anybody wants to follow you on social media, especially that Instagram. at Carmi v c a r m i e the letter v both on twitter and instagram um yeah and and carmen we appreciate you jumping on with us and we're really looking forward to all your draft coverage and like i said i'm gonna have to try to rearrange some things and make sure i make it to (laughs) indy for a day or two and and meet up with you and and uh you know finally get to meet you in person i haven't been able to do that yet
2: I know, that would be great. I've seen enough of David, so, you
1: know. Oh! Uh, <laughs> I'm, wow. I'm just kidding! just <laughs> kidding.
0: It wow. doesn't matter. Whatever we do in Indianapolis won't be nearly as fun as what you and David got to do at Chris Godwin's charity event that he still rubs in my face exactly. every now and again.
2: So, that was a great night.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. Probably one of the one of the best moments of my life, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> Right, well, Carmen,
0: thank you so, so much for jumping on. We really appreciate you, as always.
2: Yeah, of course. Happy New Year, guys. I hope 2020 is everything you want it to be and more.
0: Oh, you too. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> Thanks, Carmen. We'll see you later. A big thank you once again to Carmen Vitale. I'm I'm not just saying it because she comes on the show, but Carmen really is one of our favorite people. We love having her on. Uh it was great to to have her be the first voice of this kind of 2019 recap that we're doing. But David, we do have a voicemail to get to. I know Carmen had to had to race off. She's heading to the airport. She's gonna, gonna take herself a little mini vacation after the season, and and uh, I'm sure that'll be nice. Um so yeah, let's go ahead and, and dive into this voicemail and we'll see if I get angry like I did yesterday.
3: Hey James, hey David, Josh from Florida. Uh you know, been noticing a lot of uh uh a lot of um articles on Jameis and you know what Bruce Arians said in his uh recent interview about we can pretty much win with anybody if we can win with Jameis, um, considering all the turnovers and I was thinking about it and the first person that came to mind when I was thinking about, you know, drafting somebody was um so Russell Wilson when he when he won the Super Bowl with, you know, the Seattle Seahawks, he was a rookie. Um you know, granted obviously I know they had the Legion of Boom, Marshawn Lynch, um and a great coaching staff and you know everything that goes with that, but what I'm trying to say is it's not impossible, um, and if we do end up drafting somebody this year, I don't really watch college, and I don't know if a lot of Bucks fans do, but um, I was wondering if you guys could give us some of your top prospects um, of who could come out of the draft. That would be a great fit for the Bucks. You know, I think that we do have a solid defense, it might not be on the Legion of Boom level, but it's very young, very strong. Todd Bowles doing a great job. And we have two of the, you know, best receivers in the league. Um, on top of, you know, Bruce Arians possibly running the, um, yeah. offense, you know, byron Lees. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that guys. Um, I thought it was a pretty interesting idea. Um, love the podcast guys and go buck.
0: All right, Josh, thank you very much for the call. Um, Okay, I I know people have said, you know, Bruce Arians is, you know, he's older. He's got four years left on his contract. He's not going to want to start over with a rookie. Look, it's not like this guy doesn't have experience with rookie quarterbacks. You know, he was a big, big reason that the Colts drafted Peyton Manning over Ryan Leaf. He played a major role in the Steelers drafting Ben Roethlisberger when they really didn't even need a quarterback at the time anyway. Chuck Bogano hired him to be an offensive coordinator because they were going to have a rookie quarterback. This is not something foreign to Bruce Arians. You know, we talk about, you know, the quarterback whisperer and and all this and And we reference his ability to kind of turn around Carson Palmer's career. But before that, the the quarterbacks that he had were rookies. And they were good ones under him. So it's not going to be a a starting over with a rookie quarterback. You would have some growing pains, sure. But that's why I am in the camp that you get a veteran. You bring back freaking fits magic for all I care. You no. just need a veteran for one or two years. And you let that rookie develop and you let him learn so that the the growing process and the, the the mistakes that we see early on for these quarterbacks in their first year under Bruce Arians, they aren't as severe because the quarterback's ready. He's been trained in the system already. And I realize you said no, David. I'm not saying that I'm... It's just like when I said I would rather have Andy Dalton at this point. I'm not advocating for them to go out and get Andy Dalton. I'm not advocating for them to go out and get Ryan Fitzpatrick specifically. What I'm saying is there are options outside of Captain Turnover that they can explore. I'm not budging off this. I'm done with the dude. I said it yesterday and I meant it. I'm done. I got you. Um,
1: yeah, I draw the line the, at Marcus Mariota though. Yeah. <laughs> um, as far as the whole starting over thing, listen, uh, I actually, I was actually starting to wonder James, if you wrote my submission. So for those of you out there who also read what we write at dot we've got a round table coming out. Gil RC is putting it together. We've got a round table coming out. Soonish, I think today, as you're listening to this episode, actually, it's supposed to get published, basically talking about Jameis, basically laying it all online in every, well, I don't know if every Bucks Nation staffer, but most of us are essentially putting our thoughts on black and white uh, on the screen, well, unless your screen's a different color, and and you're going to get to read it, and you're going to to, you know, comment on it as you wish, and you basically started saying exactly what I wrote for one of the questions um, about the whole rookie thing. A lot of people are talking about Bruce Aries isn't going to want to start over with a rookie. Well, here's 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 the thing. Here's the problem I have with that. For one, age only helps you manage only only age only helps you measure one thing, and that's experience. And age isn't a definitive gauge of experience. It helps you measure experience. That is the only thing age is going to tell you. Andrew Luck, as a rookie, like you like you refer to James, uh, through eighteen interceptions as a rookie under Bruce Arians, and the Colts went ten and five. In the first four games, Andrew Luck threw way more interceptions than he did in his last four games. He developed. He got better. He learned the system. It's a difficult system, but he was able to grasp it. He was able to execute it, and he was able to get better within it. That's what we're not seeing, again, from Jameis Winston. I don't want to rehash the entire conversation, but as everybody is getting better, learning this complex system on defense, on offense, everybody, except for maybe Matt Gay, but that's not a complex system problem. Okay. <laughs> Jameis is really the only one you can point to and say, regressed. Yes. And Cause he because ladies and gentlemen, he he flat out regressed. And I'm not just talking about the last two games. He was regressing. His interceptions to pass attempt ratio was getting worse even before Mike Evans and Chris Collin got hurt as the season went on. Okay. Now, as far as starting over is concerned. Coach Arians and Coach Leftwich, if they don't have Jameis Winston next year, they're starting over no matter who you bring in. Mm -hmm. Because there is not a quarterback currently available that has been coached by Coach Arians and Coach Leftwich that is going to come in and start for this team. Which means no matter who the quarterback, if the quarterback is 45 or 25, Coach Leftwich and Coach Arians are starting over Having to teach another quarterback the language, the reads, the scheme, the checks, the calls, all of it—they're starting over. No matter what, so if Coach Arians doesn't want to start over, he's bringing back Jameis Winston. Period. That's it. That's the only way that 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 Bruce Arians isn't starting over either. That or he's getting Carson Palmer out of retirement. Those are the only two ways I that it. I see. Or Andrew Luck actually, which oh, um, that would be um, amazing. I, I I don't even want to go down that road because there's so many rules with that, that that that's pretty sure that's not a possibility. Like I'm pretty sure if Andrew Luck unretires, he belongs to the Colts. But anyway, that is true.
0: Um, so, I would take Tom Tupa. <laughs> we're gonna we're, gonna
1: start, we're gonna start Tom something. Can Tom
0: Tupa throw a football? Like I don't know, sixty five year old former punter Tom Tupa. <laughs> I would I would take him at this point. Give me so, Pat McAfee. At least if McAfee is going to be throwing interceptions, his oh, postgame geez. pressers are going to be hilarious and not, yeah. I got to get better. I got to start. He's going to start
1: edgy, not finish edgy. Listen. Yes. Um, <laughs> the only, yeah. So no matter what, okay, no matter what, you're, you're starting over. So the question is, there's no Andrew Luck in the draft. If there's an Andrew Luck in this draft, it's Joe Burrow and he's going to Cincinnati. So the Buccaneers aren't getting Andrew Luck 2020, quote unquote. Okay. So the question is now for, for Byron Leftwich and for, for Coach Arians is is there a quarterback that's available that we feel like can execute this scheme better than Jameis Winston to, to greater success better than Jameis Winston? And I don't mean just throwing funeral interceptions, throwing you know touchdowns, throwing yards. I mean putting this team in a position to win. Again, not to rehash everything, but instead of putting this position this team in a position to overcome your deficiencies putting them in a place where you're overcoming their deficiencies that's what we're talking about if you ask me who that quarterback is the only quarterback that can do that in 2020 that i see currently on the landscape is matthew stafford and i don't believe he's available but if he is but if i'm if i'm coach arians i'm telling jason light call detroit Knock over that rock. See what comes out of it. If it's nothing, fine. At least we can say we asked. But you know what? If we call them and they say, hmm, that's interesting. Don't you have two third-round draft picks this year? I mean, I don't know, guys. Like, Would you you give up two third-round draft picks for a quarterback and come in and throw 3,500 yards, 25 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions in this team, on this roster? And let's not forget,
0: Matthew Stafford – is also a member of that 5,000 yards passing club, and he did it with Calvin Johnson and
1: who? Me, maybe. I think I was on that team. Um, it, you probably could have been. <laughs> yeah, so the point is you know, it's worth exploring. I don't know that Matthew Savage is available, So the, the but the caller asked in the draft, And I'm just going to say right up front, I have not studied anybody in this draft enough at this point on December 30th to give you an intelligent answer. But there are two guys I'm extremely interested in looking at. And that's Jacob Eason, because his name is being thrown by a lot of people who are uh, either working for draft companies or just draft smart guys, um, stuff like that. That's Uh, the kid out of Washington,
0: right? Yep, out of Washington.
1: And Jordan Love, because... The little bit that I have seen of him, I like. However, and if you listen to the Pewter Nation podcast by the guys over at Pewter Report, you heard because Trevor brought him up. Uh, Trevor has mock drafted him to the Bucks at one point in time. And I think it was Scott that brought up that Jordan Love threw just as many interceptions as he did touchdowns this year in college. So and the question was brought up do you really (laughs) want to replace a 30 and 30 touchdown interception guy with a guy who's in college throwing, you know, 17 and 16 or something like that. And that's a very valid point, but you're not drafting stats, right? You're drafting mechanics. You're drafting physical tools and physical traits. And I will tell you that the butts and the what ifs and the or the yeah butts are bigger in college than they are in the NFL. Like Jordan Love may very well have thrown You know, I don't have the stats off the top of my head, but 16 and 16 interceptions and touchdowns are close I think it was 17 and 16. Yeah. But, right, the the, the but yeahs, or the yeah buts is level of talent around him. Like, those things actually matter in college when you're talking about evaluating for pro talent versus being in the NFL. They don't matter as much at this level. So that's something you got to go back and look at, and I will tell you that I have sat down and watched exactly one full game of Jordan Love, which is nowhere near the amount that you need to watch to really give an intelligent opinion. So we will come back to this. Um, Evan Winter and I have already been talking. We're, we're, we're going to have an entire offseason full of draft coverage. James, uh, we're going to have Bucks Nation stuff. I, I think we're going to have some stuff going on at Bucks Nation for draft stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, we will give you guys plenty of draft opinions and an analysis, if you want to call it that. Um, for now, you guys, you guys already know who the ones who do it full-time. Daniel Jeremiah is easily my favorite. Um so, you know, cuz that guy, I mean, he's an Appalachian State quarterback. He will he will come out and say that an Appalachian Appalachian State player is is garbage if they're garbage. Um so I I like that do. I think his integrity is above question. Um so so yeah, that's my recommendation. You know, you guys know who the rest of the guys are out there. They're all good as well. Um but that's my answer today.
0: Well, and the thing about Jordan Love also to keep in mind was, yeah, this year he was 17 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. Last year was something like 30, 31 touchdowns and like six interceptions. Um, My boss, the Colts fan, who I've who I've talked about on this podcast quite a few times. He desperately wants Jordan Love in Indianapolis, and he was he was talking to me about him one day. Jordan Love lost 4 of his 5 starting linemen and his top 3 receivers in between last year and this year. So that plays right into the the talent around him that you just mentioned David like the guy was balling and then now he's got a bunch of redshirt sophomores that he's yeah. that he's having to play with and they just don't have the experience. They don't have the 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 body yet for you know, competing at at the NCAA level. I have watched a little bit, in even less than you, and it, it wasn't even a full game. I've watched bits and pieces of Jordan Love. I like what I see out of him. I do like him a lot. But like you, I mean, guys, I don't follow college football the way I do the NFL. Because of my day job, I don't get the opportunity to sit down and watch a lot of college games. So my college football viewing begins now. So that's what I'm gonna start diving into players and and David, you know, as you mentioned, we're gonna have plenty of stuff with Bucks Nation. I think we're gonna do our 40 prospects in 40 days again. We're gonna do our, you know, 30 free agents in 30 days and and, and all that stuff. So there's gonna be plenty of content about guys that would fit in with the Buccaneers, whether it's free agency or the draft. And with the draft, we don't just look at first and second round guys. We we try to spread it out to where we're talking about guys that are gonna be taken all draft weekend to get some names floated out there and, and help you get to know some of these players. So,
1: um,
0: you know, we all know that I would trade everything for Joe Burrow, but it's just not going to happen.
1: I can, I would trade a lot of things for Joe Burrow. Ah,
0: so (laughs) many things, so many things Two, two first, two seconds, a conditional first in 2022. Like, I would even throw the Bengals an additional first-round pick. Like, Joe Burrow as a rookie gets to the playoffs. Here's another first-round pick. Just take
1: it. To go from 14 to 1, you're giving up at least three first-round picks without any conditions.
0: Well, two two seconds, O.J. Howard, who's still under his rookie deal.
1: Right, I'm saying, though, like, to go from 14 to 1, you're giving up three ones, period. Like, minimum. Like, before you even add any of the seasoning, it's three ones. But it's worth
0: it, Joe Burrow. You're my hero.
1: Here's the problem is the Bengals would agree, (laughs) which is why they're not going to trade and they're going to draft Joe Burrow. Which is exactly why he's going to get David
0: Card because their offensive line is the worst in football. The
1: worst. In the words of Jameis Winston, bar none. You know what I want him to do? I want him to come out. I want him to pull... uh, like an Eli Manning or a Jim Kelly or something and say he's not going to play for Cincinnati and they draft him. He's going to the XFL. Won't happen. You're talking about a guy from Athens, Ohio.
0: He went to Athens high school, went to Ohio state. They wouldn't start him. That was dumb. So he transferred. He is an Ohio kid through and through. He is probably ecstatic that he's going to end up playing for the Cincinnati Bengals. What he needs to do is he needs to get a phone call from Carson Palmer who will tell him, look, I know you're excited, but you need to do what David Harrison on Locked On Bucks said that you should do and pull an Eli Manning because this franchise will kill your career. They don't care about winning. They don't care about you.
1: Mike Brown is the worst. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would put money on. He's probably a Browns fan more than he is a Bengals fan. No, no. he put on a good show, but when Boomer's eyes and handed him that Bengals helmet, I saw a little bit of panic in that kid's face because he knows the offensive line that
0: he's going to have to play behind because he's probably a Bengals fan and he watches them and he grabbed that helmet and went, oh, crap. I'm going to die. I'm going to get sacked 47 times before the bye week. Yeah. Oh, poor Joe Burrow. But yeah, anyway, Josh, to answer your question, there, there's a couple quarterbacks out there that could do really well with Bruce Arians. Um, we just don't have enough film watched to back up any opinions that we have off the cuff. So give us a few weeks. Let us get through the 2019 review. We're going to start getting into to free agency and draft talk. So. This is a uh, this is a topic that's not going away anytime soon. So we will we will definitely have you covered on that front, uh,
1: David. Anything else before we wrap things up? Uh, no, just don't don't forget the uh, the deadline. We've actually got a couple more voicemails already for tomorrow. Um, awesome, but you know the deadline is tomorrow by midnight. By eleven
0: fifty nine fifty nine.
1: Yeah, that when the when the ball drops, the gates are shut on the voicemails. Well, I mean you can still call in, but you're not getting entered for the contest. And yeah. uh just, just throwing it out there, Chef Aaron was very happy to get a shout out on today's or well, Monday's episode of Locked On Bucks. So I'm gonna give him another shout out on the Tuesday episode of Locked On Bucks. He thoroughly enjoyed my opinion on Jameis Winston, and I appreciate his appreciation.
0: Uh, I appreciate his appreciation as well, but it's because of the argument that I got in with him that was mentioned on Monday's podcast that I've had like 200 Twitter notifications <laughs> today because this <laughs> argument is not stopped and there's about 19 people involved now.
1: That's why you just turn it off, man. Just just, just turn it off. Listen, Taylor uh, Grizz, right from from Pew Report, tweeted something out. And oh, I know what I retweeted it. Was. it was at, I retweeted it and just made like a little. Funny, like, what, like, you know, like, don't be bringing all that sense in here or something. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, you know, it's a serious topic. I got it and everything like that. But it was really just kind of a lighthearted, you know, like, we've met, we've hung out a little bit, like, we, we've we shared some jokes here and there. uh Like, it, it really wasn't a thing. And uh somebody tweeted at me that, you know, like, a big, like, a, like, an argument starter. I was like, I'm not, it's, it's, it's not, it's not a thing. Um, So I, I apologize if any of you guys out there are in your feelings about this whole situation enough that, you know, like every, everything is, is taken, you know, with a 100% meaning, but it's, it's not, um, yeah, we, we've pretty much set our piece, I think. And it's, you know, it is what it is at this point.
0: Yeah, basically. And until, um, until we have a definitive answer, then, you know, we'll continue to to stand by our stances i guess but yeah uh, anyway
1: I, I like so yes that's probably gonna happen
0: okay um but yeah make sure that you get your voicemails in before midnight tonight as you're listening to this to be entered in to win that 100 hundred dollar nfl shop gift card courtesy of david and myself and you can do so By calling 813 444 5841. Also, please make sure you're checking out everything going on over at bucksnation.com. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at lockedonbucks, at jarco underscore bucks, at dh82 underscore bucks, and at bucks underscore nation. Support our favorite recurring guest, Miss Carmen Vitale, by following her on Twitter and on Instagram. Make sure you follow her on Instagram. She's really big on, on, uh, getting followers over there at Carmi v c-a-r-m-i-e-v um hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day have a safe new year's please don't do anything dumb if you're gonna go out party it up with your friends you know drink until the ball drops fantastic there's ubers there's lifts there are companies that provide free shuttle services to keep you from drinking and driving Please be smart about it. We want all of our listeners to return. We want all of our uh, our friends to return. We don't want to hear any accidents because people made a bad decision. So please be safe when you're out celebrating with your family and friends. Thank you all so much for joining us right here at Locked On Bucks.